you know, at the end of the day, any training you're going to put into a four, five, six-year-old, you're going to settle it onto somebody and they're going to produce it how they want to produce it. So it's not about trying to make the horse feel the way you necessarily want it to feel, but it's about giving the horse a really good foundation in thinking for themselves so that, you know, if you guys say you guys come and try a horse of mine, it, you're able to sit on it and it shows itself off for as talented as the horse is, you know, we're not trying to necessarily hide things with training, but a lot of it is training the horse to have a mind of its own, you know, move well, think right, so that anybody from any kind of background can get on the horse and have a good experience and ultimately decide, is this the horse that I will be able to train and learn on? Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as usual, we like to thank our sponsor, Mane and Tail, Karen. We, we love Mane and Tail. We love Mane and Tail. We absolutely love Mane and Tail. You know who else loves Mane and Tail, Karen? Caroline Martin. Caroline Martin. Caroline is on with us. I think I'm the number one fan, to be honest, guys. I swear, I've been using the product since I was seven years old. And they're actually a local company uh, where I live in Pennsylvania. So they really have a special place in my heart. And people would not believe the amount of products they make. You know, you always think man and tail, the shampoo and conditioner. Well, they make the tangler. They make this killer shine on spray that makes the horse's coat look amazing. They have spray and braid. They have everything. You don't have to go anywhere else to buy products. They're affordable. They're a family-run company. Like, and they're just the nicest group of people. So, I could not think of a better company to go out and support. So, if you have a horse, please only buy Mean and Tail. They're just they go above and beyond, and they give back so much to the community. So, they're they're honestly the best company I've ever worked with. So, we love them. Yeah, we we, we love them. And too. That's all I use. Yep, that's, that's all, all we that's use. That's what gives me my shine in my hair. So. So do you use it in your own hair? Yes, yes, yes we both do. I use it. <laughs> Even our dogs use it. Even our dogs, absolutely. Well, we have one dog with really oh. bad hair, Carolina, so he uses the uh, the, the Protect line stuff because he has bad coat. So it fixes oh. right up. Yep, so. See? Just another benefit of Maintail. They Seriously, they make anything you need. So Absolutely. And nothing with tests, nothing with drug tests. They're just, they just go above and beyond. They are the best. So, All right. Well, thanks a lot, Maintail. And thank you, Caroline, for joining us for that little spot. This episode is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. To learn more about Red and Goat, visit their Facebook and Instagram pages and go to redandgoatequestrian.com. Triple Crown Feed. Oh, Karen. yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have a t- tons of, of great products out there. Mm-hmm. Premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. TripleCrownFeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. TripleCrownFeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have yes. a great feed com- comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. 
and give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. This episode is brought to you by Turtleneck Premium Horse Clothing. Yeah, all of their blankets and sheets are protected with a Teflon coating, and their stretchable neckline is a patented feature on all of their blankets and sheets. You can find Turtleneck on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.turtleneck.biz. And it is everyone's favorite time of the year. Not really. Not really. I know. It's wintertime. Wintertime. But you can look good wearing your Fairfax and Favor Charlotte jacket. That's the one they see my winter. You can't really wear the Charlotte jacket in the summer. Right. It comes with an outer shell that offers a soft sheen. And it is wind and water resistant. That's what I'm talking about. And it's got the faux fur. Trimmed hood. You got that right. Faux fur. Faux show. Faux show. And it does come in three different styles. So you have your regular jacket, you have your long jacket, and also your gilet. The gilet. Love it. The blue color. Yes. The I signature navy color. That's my favorite. In favor. Yep. My favorite. So I love this jacket. I think it's an awesome cut. I personally think it looks really, really awesome. It's probably the best looking jacket I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying it. I no, love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. I love everything they have. For faux sure. For faux sure. So, <laughs> so everyone check that out and go to fairfaxandfavor.com. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen's super excited for today's Major League Eventing Podcast. I know, I am. I'm very excited for this guest, Karen. I've been stalking him on Facebook for a long, long time. And <laughs> Watch I've, out. I've kind of ran into him a little bit here and there, but never really, I don't know, I don't think we've actually ever met. No, but anyway, I don't think so. So uh, welcome to the show, Charlie Campbell. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This is super cool. Yeah, Everything it kind is. of works out. I was thinking I had Charlie on the brain, and the next thing you know, Charlie and I kind of met up on Facebook, and it was like, "Hey, this is like." It was meant to be. It was meant to be, Charlie. We were. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what Facebook's so good for in this day and age. Is I mean, it just does really you know connect people. Yeah, it, Facebook is reading minds. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy how that works. I mean, you're telling me I was I was just the other day uh, looking for an, thinking to myself, I'd love to have some help with my accounting. And all of a sudden, Mark Zuckerberg must have read my mind because there is an ad for an equine accountant right there on my Facebook page. Wow. So. That's creepy. That is creepy. Now it's really hard to listen to you when you walk around your house talking to yourself. Now it's listening to your thoughts. So. I don't know how they do it, but they're doing it. It must be. It's, now I'm not going to say it. What? I'm not going to say because I'm going to sound conspiracy theorist. It was going to be a joke, but people are going to take it the wrong way. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. Uh, so, hey, Charlie, uh, we're we're coming. We're, we're talking via Zoom here, but um, so we're not with you in the same room. Where, where are you coming to us from? So I'm I'm in, I'm located currently in uh, Sonoma, California. So right in the heart of uh, wine country. Oh, we were just talking to Frankie. Frankie's yes. up in the wine country, too. Sonoma. Yeah. She lives on a vineyard. She lives on a vineyard. Oh, man, with the <laughs> vines and everything. Are you are you a big wine drinker living out there? Are you getting into the scene or what? I'm definitely getting into it. I, I think it's it's it really does fascinate me the you know how it's all made and the how you can have two vineyards right next to each other and have completely different wines. So it's it's been fun getting to kind of you know as much as I can outside of horses having you know, I wouldn't quite call it a hobby, but it's definitely an interest that's, you know. Yeah. Drinking's an interest of mine, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a very scientific palette 
uh, honing way. <laughs> Charlie gets yeah. it, right? That's <laughs> you feel bad saying alcohol is your your hobby. Jeez, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, my mother's gonna listen to this and sh- I'm showing you a text message. I can't believe you brought up wine, but yeah. blame know. it on me. Blame, right. on me. blame it on Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who uh, our our son Joe got me a um, whiskey of the month club membership for Christmas. So, yeah. oh, super! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great gift. Yeah, it is. So it's it just is. a taste. I I sip a little bit I here and there. Do. And it's just you for do. yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with it little enjoyment here and there that's it and it's the finer things and you're right it is very cool how it's made and if you're if you're into the process and all that then mm-hmm. then it is a hobby then it can be a hobby so if you're chugging yes. it and you put the whole bottle down the first two seconds <laughs> you do the no no spin and away you go no we've got it's definitely you know it's, it's it is you know it's the, the inner nerd in me is kind of what what brings me to it because it's just it's fascinating that all the styles rivals and how it's made Yes, I find it there very nerdy. Go. It is very nerdy when you really get into that type of stuff. I, I'm a nerd about the whole thing, so I'm with you. <laughs> so, Charlie, can you take us back and tell us how you got your start in riding and then into eventing? Yeah, um, I mean, the start in my of riding per se isn't actually that interesting. Um, my mother worked in Japanese television for a long time, and so she was often traveling, and I think she grew up riding and she wanted something that we could do together so that, you know, mother, son bonding type thing. And, you know, between you and me, um, probably did not show as much interest in it as I should have. Um, but that is how I started eventing is I was probably 15 and my mother in some kind of last ditch effort to keep me interested in horses, um, took me to Kentucky and I went out there and it just blew my mind because up until that point, my showing experience had been going to the local rotary club, doing the hunter jumper shows. And this was just a different beast altogether. You know, it was, there's the thrills, there's the spills. It was just, it was just this wild place to me. And so I came home from that being like, Whoa, that was cool. And then my mother, you know, said, Oh, by the way, this guy Dudden, I think we saw him at the show or something. I, I don't really know. I think he's he kind of knows what he's doing, but he's got some camp. Um, I signed you up. <laughs> and so I said, okay. And I, I sh- you know, I, you know, tr- we hired a shipper and took this mayor that I had at the time, who was just this, you know, terrible, terrible nag. Loved her, but <laughs> God, um, and we showed up and, to the Philip Dunn eventing camp. And I was a fish out of water. You know, everybody else had at least gotten novice of training. And I, here I was, I'd never evented before in my life. And I don't think Philip really knew what to do with me or my horse to be on because the horse just wouldn't go into the water, <laughs> you know, wouldn't jump the fences. <laughs> Philip had to get on, made her go over. And then I'd get, on and she'd, you know, start refusing again. And then uh, yeah, I think what summed up the whole week was when Philip said, have you ever gotten the horse into the water? I said, yeah. He goes, how did you do it? I go, well, I got off. And I let her through. And he goes, all right, well, off you get. So I dutifully got off my horse and trudged into Philip's water jump as everybody else had to canter through and buy me and all that. And me and my horse were just kind of stood there soaking wet. But, you know, it was a, it was a great it was a great opportunity. And it was, you know, it really was interesting because 
it was the first time in my life I'd ever been around professional horse people who lived and breathed horses. Um, and I think it was that moment. I really just, I fell in love with eventing and I fell in love with the horse profession. I thought it was just the coolest thing ever to, you know, the people, you know, looking back on it, they were the working students, but to me, they were these kind of these awesome up and coming riders who lived above the barn and, you know, they didn't take days off because they were always there. It was just this, it just, it was so cool to me. Um, so, you know, Philip kindly said, you know, Charlie, I like you hate the horse and um you know and i think he took my mother aside and said you know I'd, I'd love to help you guys find something a little bit better and so it took me it was kind of at the that was you know the summer previous but the next summer i went down and we tried horses with philip and we ultimately found one um that uh jenny brannigan who was riding for philip at the time had and you know we we bought it and you know i i knew nothing i had never gone to an event never done any of this before and luckily the horse had you know done a handful of trainings i think so he knew a bit more than me and i the plan the original plan was that i would stay down with philip ride with him for a few days go to my first event at plantation fields and then i'd go home and i got eliminated in the dressage oh no <laughs> I, I tried to do the whole dressage test at the end of one arena. (laughs) (laughs) So in my mind, circle at B, I thought the outer edge of my circle was B. So I really did a circle at A. Um, And the dressage judge came, got it, had to get out of the car and said, who's responsible for this? Did I say Philip? (laughs) Well, no, because Jenny had been in charge and, you know, she's probably going to kill me for saying this. (laughs) But poor Jenny had to wave her hand and be like, I'm sorry. So she quickly, you know, taught me the test correctly. And then I went back in and did it. And, you know, because I was going novice level, they let me then show jump. And I'd done that before. So I managed to get through that. And then we went cross country. And although I had been excellently prepared, I still got lost on course and got so lost in that. I actually had to ask another jump judge to for directions on how get to get back to my course. So it, it wasn't a great start to my venting career, but you know, I, it was so much fun. And I kind of walked into the bar the next day and I went to Philip and I said, Can I work for you? And he said, Yeah, sure, you know, as Philip does. And I thought it was a great compliment. Little did I know that I've been really signing myself up for lots of stall mucking. <laughs> but, you know, it actually, it, it turned out for the best. It, it was a brilliant summer. Um, I got to, you know, I got to train with Philip, which I think, you know, I, I never realized how lucky I was at that point because I just thought that everybody showed up to Philip Dunn's yard and told told him that you were going to be working for him. Um, but I also, you know, got to work under Emma Ford, which was just an amazing, she's just an amazing horsewoman. So it was, it was awesome for me to be able to do that. And then, you know, that unfortunately my parents made me go home at a certain point to go back to school. Cause you know, high school is, is important apparently. Um, and from, then, I grew up in New York city. Oh, okay. okay. So you weren't too, too far away. Okay. No, not terribly far. Um, you know, and then the next summer I, you know, did the same thing. I, it was the summer between my junior, senior year of high school. And I once again went down and worked for Philip. and, you know, I think 
you know, you know, there was a lot of stall mucking, but it was, it was really, really just, I loved it. I, I loved the fact that, you know, just, it was day in, day out. It was the chores and all that. And, you know, later looking back on it, I just finished reading this book called, uh, carry water, chop wood. Oh, it's a great book. A a great book. And I mean, I just, you know, the whole idea of just, you know, you have to do these, it's, it seems like these minimum, you know, these chores and they're not that interesting. And, you know, how could this possibly press you? But, you know, I think, you know, the the act of mucking stalls, being there in the barn every morning, you know, it was, it is important. You don't rec, you don't realize it when you're doing it. And it seems like it's this kind of this menial job, but, you know, it was later working for Ryan and Ryan said, you know, part of the reason it's so important is you're in the stall with the horses, the ones that, you know, are supposed to carry around these events. If you're in that stall every morning, you know, mucking stalls and looking over, you're going to, it's another opportunity to cast your eye over them, make sure there's not, you know, a cut, a wound, a bump on a leg, something that you might have obviously otherwise missed, you know, and, you know, not that saying that I still muck every one of my stalls now but i do make you know it's that kind of idea that that i learned from day one working for philip that you know the little things matter and it does give you just another opportunity to see the horse and just make sure that they're sound and happy yeah man that's wild Mm -hmm. i love that story i love that i I love that you you know because guess what there's people that that are listening that feel like every rider was a born natural yeah right I, I, I look I, I i i am the proof against that i am not a natural rider every bit i've had to learn um you know and i i really i made it my job to just learn from people so i worked for philip for those two summers and then when i graduated high school um ryan wood who is philip's other rider was just going off on his own and i thought you know, and I, I had really liked Ryan. Ryan had given me a lot of help when I was working with Philip. So when Ryan's, you know, set up his own business, I joined him. And I, you know, because having worked at Philip's, I was able to see, you know, the finished product. I was so fascinated by what Ryan was doing because, you know, Ryan had already gone five star, but you know, at that point, he had just bought a couple really nice young horses but other than that he was building his business and i thought to myself you know if i want to get ahead i'm going to have to learn 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 from him and you know i thought i worked for ryan for four years and i have to say it was some of the best years i mean it was incredibly hard work you know and, I, and i'd say that to his face we worked really really hard but it came from the fact that ryan held himself to an incredibly high standard you know, every day he was showing up, it was, how is he going to make himself better? How is he going to get ahead? And so he held himself to a high standard. He held us to a high standard, but you know, with, it wasn't that he was holding us to a high standard that we could help him be better, but we were getting nothing out of it. You know, I, I remember throughout the entire time working for him, it was always, you know, there's very much a mentality of you're we're doing this now for me, but you're going to do this for yourself one day, you know? And it was a lot of, he would often point out, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, when you're on your own, you're going to have to do things like this too. Mm. Uh, so he, he was a fantastic mentor um, for the years that I worked for him. And I just, I really felt like I walked out of that program with a real good idea of how much hard work it takes, but also how it's 
it's not about just throwing yourself into it a little bit at a time, but it's just the daily grind. It's the waking up, showing up and that, you know, and he used to always say, you know, they're better writers than Philip, me or Boyd in Australia. But at the end of the day, we're the ones who kept showing up. And I thought that really, you know, is true. It's a sport of just grinding it out and showing up and being there in the right moment at the right time. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. I love it, man. Oh man. Yeah. And I know Ryan, but I, I don't really know. I know he has very successful students that he was programming mm-hmm. to go on, but um, that makes a lot of sense now. That makes no sense. So yeah. You, you and I mean, like, what, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I was just going to say like, I was with Ryan for four years, but you know, I was, it was also really exciting because Ryan was based out of Phillips and it was a really exciting time for me because there's a lot of other writers my age, you know, Chris Talley and I worked together at the same time. And, you know, it's been really exciting to watch, you know, him as a friend, you know, have how his career is turning out so successfully. And, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of other writers who were Philip that we were in close, you know, contact with. And it was really fun being with a group of very like-minded people and everybody there were, you know, we were all working towards the same goal. So I definitely felt like everybody was kind of helping each other, you know, get up. Yeah. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you go to a bar where everyone's got, everyone's on the same page. Everyone's trying to get to the promised land. Mm-hmm. So everyone's pulling their weight because everyone's trying. Everyone wants to get ahead and, and do the best they can. And so I get it. That makes sense to me. So you're there for four years. Did you, did you, um, you ultimately went on the Clayton? Is that right? Or how did, what, what happened next? I, yeah, I, um, so I left Ryan's and I, I took a stab at kind of being semi on my own. I worked for a breeder for nine months and I, it was a great opportunity because I was able to learn a lot about something that I didn't really know that much of, which was breeding. You know, she's spread specifically Holstein horses, um, I got to work a little bit more on breaking in. You know, I started a few horses for her. Um, but, you know, ultimately I ended up uh, moving on. I just, I realized that I wasn't riding as well as I should be to be calling myself a professional or to do the things I wanted to do. At the time I had a really good horse who um, we were going around the kind of old two-star now three-star intermediate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, we were successful. Um, you know, we had some wins at the intermediate level, but the wheels kind of fell apart as we were, you know, doing the FEI. And I was, I was really aiming for a long format. And I just said to myself, you know what? We're not ready. We're, we're, we were qualified, but Fair Hill would have been the one we were going to. And Fair Hill's a monster. I, you know, I would have, I had no business trying to get around a course like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I, said to her, I was like, look, I love working for you. I love the horses, but I need to go keep working on myself. So I, I got really, you know, lucky in the sense that Clayton had, um, his rider had just moved on. And so he was looking for a head rider. And so I kind of showed up and I probably, you know, talked my way into it a bit more. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I quite wrote as well as they expected me to, but um fair play to Clayton he gave me a ton of education and you know I got to ride for Clayton and compete some of the horses for him and so he was he really gave me a lot of opportunities to further my own development and do it in the sense of 
what, you know, as a horse trainer, you know, I, I wasn't just, you know, an exercise rider for him, but he, you know, he, it got to the point where I, I think, you know, that he trusted me enough that he could go off to the competitions. And, you know, the idea was that I'd be able to stay at home and the horses would feel as good, if not a little bit better than when he had last sat on the back. Um, which, you know, so I got to spend four years really honing my craft and learning how to train a horse and not just a horse for, you know, upper level competition, but Clayton has this amazing sales business. And I got to train, you know, learn on, you know, how do you produce a horse for, to be sold, which, you know, I think we would all love to imagine that every sale horse gets ridden like a competition horse, but I don't think that is the case. Um, so it was, it was a great education for me. Um, I got to see a variety of great horses. Um, it was my first introduction really to the ger- the horses coming out of Germany. Um, the guys I worked for in Pennsylvania, there's a lot more of the Irish horses, but Clayton has a good contact in Germany. And so I was able you know, see the horses that they brought over and just gave me a different, you know, just more education for me and more just a different viewpoint of what other people are looking for. So that was really great for me. Wow. Can you elaborate on the difference in riding a sales horse versus a competition or like, yeah, I think so, you know, maybe not everybody does this, but it's definitely something that I think of is, you know, when you have a horse, when somebody's trying a horse and, and, and so specifically a young horse, I think when they're up, when you're trying an upper level horse, you're trying an upper level horse, but when you're trying a young horse, it's, it's more, you know, at the end of the day, any training you're going to put into a four or five, six year old, you're going to settle it onto somebody and they're going to produce it how they want to produce it. So it's not about trying to make the horse feel the way you necessarily want it to feel, but it's about giving the horse a really good foundation in thinking for themselves so that, you know, if you guys say you guys come and try a horse of mine, it, you're able to sit on it and it shows itself off for as talented as the horse is, you know, we're not trying to necessarily hide things with training, but a lot of it is training the horse to have a mind of its own, you know, move well, think right, so that anybody from any kind of background can get on the horse and have a good experience and ultimately decide, is this the horse that I will be able to train and learn on? Because I think sometimes people will try horses and, you know, the horse is trained within an inch of its life, but it's held together by the fact that some riders are really good and the horse is good because of the rider that's on it. So it's important to be able to accurately present a horse to somebody that they're not going to buy a horse. And then six months to a year later, say, shoot, I bought the wrong horse. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, it's actually, you know, advertises your sales business better. If people are happy, if they buy, if they buy the right horse, they're going to be happy with that horse and they'll end up saying, you know what, you've got to go buy your horse from who I just bought my horse from. Gotcha. I think that's very, very insightful. Mm-hmm. I like it that. Is. I, I, that's, I appreciate you sharing that, that, you know, insight with us. It's, you had a, you had a, uh, 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 an Australian kind of string of coaches there. Was that on purpose or <laughs> yeah, sure was that did. by chance? You know, it was a little bit by chance. Um, 
Yeah, no, it, it was actually, it was completely by chance. Um, I've had other coaches in between there. Those have been my main ones. Um, I worked a bit with Mickey Kuchka up in New York, kind of in between when I was back home um, for high school, I worked with Mickey and she was fantastic because she helped fill in a lot of the gaps that I missed from not knowing anything and throwing myself right into kind of the you know, high, high profile uh, facility. And, um, and actually now I am working, I'm working with an American coach on the West coast now called Andrea Pfeiffer, who's just been, you know, elite, just an absolute brilliant coach for me. She's been so helpful, helping me merge kind of all the things that I've learned from all the different people into one cohesive, you know, methodology. Um, and she's also been brilliant on the mental side of things, um, which is, I think, a part of riding that a lot of people don't think about. You know, I think a lot of people think if I can just see a perfect distance every time, it all works out. But, you know, at least I suffer from show nerves. Um, and Andrea has been crucial in helping me get around those. You know, they're not, they never go away, but it's almost about how I harness them now. The Chopwood Carry Water book you mentioned, was that something you read back then and you realized that that work was, you know, that. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a book I, um, a friend of mine, Jenny Karras, had yeah. been banging on about it for years. And I kind of rolled my eyes and said, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then the other day, I don't know why, it just kind of out of the blue, I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this book. So I downloaded it as an audiobook and I listened to it in an afternoon. It just, it made so much sense. And looking back on things, it just, it's, I realized how applicable to the horse riding it is. Um, so it, I wish I had read that book years ago. Yeah. Actually, but, that's how I found yeah. out about it. Jenny, Jenny heard about it, I think from Matt Brown. Yeah, that sounds right. And she talked about it on our show. And in that same author, he also wrote another book called, I think it's called Pound the Stone or something like that. It's, a, it's kind of a basketball analogy instead of the mm -hmm. uh, martial arts analogy that it, the, the other book had. But yeah, another really, really good book. Yeah, it's a good yeah, one day I might get that author on the show. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, I thought he was great. I mean, you know, it is, you know, I'm, I come from a academic family, so I do like to read, you know, and books like that are, you know, great because they do kind of let you know you're on the right path. And, you know, there's the other one I've always really loved was The Alchemist. I never read that one. Oh, that, that is, you know, it's, it's a little less, overt in the sense of you know these are the if you do these things these lessons but it's a bit more about the journey and stuff you know how everybody has you know and it can sound a little bit kind of it can sound a little bit funny but like how everybody has their own personal destiny that you know it's you know but it's it's all i think it all all these books you know are talk about I mean, it's all about the journey you know, at the end of the day, it's very easy. You look at Philip and say, wow, I mean, look at this rider. But like, I think it's very easy to forget that it's the journey that made him into this amazing rider. It's the, it's the journey that turned Boyd into the superstar. Um, you know, if everything was just easy for them, they probably wouldn't be as far along as they are now. You know, and I mean, Boyd more than anybody. I mean, he's taking quite a few knocks, but, you know, he's you look at him and he's, he's just, he really is such an incredible role model because he, 
you know, keep, he keeps going and he time after time turns it into a successful end, end goal, even if it doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be successful to start. Yeah. I hear that. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Well, you know, you learn a lot more from mistakes and, and, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up, I think, uh, builds so much character that it's, uh, you become used to it, you know, and it's part of your lifestyle is the, the you know, the ups and the downs and, and getting uh, ab- down. absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think sometimes when okay. it's so easy, when it comes so simple to you that when you finally get punched in the face a little bit, you don't know how to react, you know, yeah. cause it's always come yeah, easy. You get knocked down you know, like, even further. Yeah. So how does a guy yeah. from New York and then going in Pennsylvania and then time in Ocala end up in, in California? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely done the, uh, the opposite uh, uh, journey than, than most riders, but um, I, you know, it really starts with the fact that with kind of my aspiration to get my sales business going really well, um, you know, I've had, you know, talking about your knocks, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of close brushes with success, but then through horses being sold or horses, you know, going lame, I've just not quite, you know, achieved what I want. And I probably, when I get to that point, I'll say, oh, I want more. But, you know, I sat down and thought to myself, how do I get to where I want to be? And I realized that, you know, you look at any of these top riders, they're not doing it on one horse. They're doing it on a string. And unfortunately, I haven't won the Mega Millions yet. So the only way I can get there is by building a successful business that will you know, allow me to compete to the level I want to compete to. So I sat, sat down and, you know, when it, Clayton gently nudged me and said, it's probably time to to leave the nest, um, which I appreciate because I easily could have stayed there another four years. Um, but, you know, I started thinking to myself, where do I want to be? You know, and in all between working for Philip, working for Ryan, working for Clayton, what I did notice was that there was a lot of Californians who come to the East coast to look for horses. And there's not a lot of Cal, there's not a lot of sales barns out here. And, I thought, to, you know, my family lives out here now. So I thought to myself, you know, it'd be nice to be close to my family, but, it'd be, you know, let's, let's see if I can turn this into something, um, you know, in the same way that, you know, when you're living on the East Coast, not everybody wants to fly to Europe to, fly, to buy a horse. To me, I was thinking to myself, not everybody can or necessarily wants to fly from California to Ocala to find a horse. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, I think there's a huge gap in the market for, you know, quality young horses that are affordable. And I I don't think when I say quality, I don't necessarily mean that this is going to go to Burley or badminton, but quality in the sense that a horse is going to make you happy. You know, at the end of the day, this, you know, it's very easy for me and, you know, other professionals to be caught up in the fact that, you know, there's this mad dash to go into a five-star, but for the vast majority of the, you know, us eventers this is something that people do for fun and they want enjoyment out of it and you know so you know if you have a budget of a hundred thousand dollars yeah you're gonna go anywhere in the world to find you that horse but i think for most people don't 
Um, so I, you know, I really try to, I'm really trying to set up a business out here for, you know, the people who can't spend a hundred thousand dollars on a horse, the people who want a quality horse, want a horse that's going to make them happy that they're going to be able to go to the event and, you know, leave the horse show with a smile on their face and be able to do it without, you know, completely breaking the bank. Yeah. Um, well, and if you have a thirty or forty thousand dollar budget, or or whatever, or less, or a little more, if if five thousand of it's in travel for yourself and staying and and then and shipping, shipping the horse, you know, I mean that that that's a that could be a that could be a huge chunk of of whether you can afford that horse or not that you found on the East Coast, you know. Well, exactly. You know, I actually I just got back from Ireland. Um, I went on a buying trip, and you know, let me be the one to spend the money to fly over there and see all these horses. And because then by the time that it gets back, I've, you know, any horse that I'll buy will have a full vetting. So it just, it's the type of thing that, you know, it allows people to have a little bit more certainty that, you know, that they're going to find something, you know, you know, they can come look at the horse that I've found and they know it's going to pass a vet. They know that it's been ridden. It's sane X, Y, and Z. They're not having to spend all this money, fly over there, find a horse, in a very small amount of time, decide that that's the horse they want to do. And then by the time they get home, they vetted it. It doesn't pass the vetting. Well, you know, because then you're, you know, then you're, then you're out of luck because unless you found a close second, then, but that, you know, it, but I, I find at least when I'm buying horses, there's not such a thing as a close second. You know, usually there's a horse you like and you like it for a reason. Very interesting. So is that the primary business is sales? Is it, is it pretty much an all sales barn that you have? Well, so I'm, I, at this stage, my business is sales. I'm based out of a jumper barn. So I ride for, I ride and compete for them as well, okay. um, which has been fantastic for me because it gives me more ring miles. And I think, you know, the show jumping is becoming so important in our sport. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it as an opportunity. One, I get to make a bit of money doing it, but two, it's an opportunity for me to jump more horses and keep myself sharp and practice, you know, doing a little bit more specialization into that area. Um, because it's specifically, that's actually where I probably have the most of my show nerves. So it's, being crew, you know, but now it gets to the point where, you know, it's just, I'm able to go into the show ring on my own horses and it's just another day in the office. Gotcha. How do you find a place in California? I get, like you said, your folks were out there now. How did you, yes. how did you do that? That's, a, I always find um, that very interesting. That's making that transition from working for someone to going on your own, you know, and I think Lillian Hurd talked about, it. I think she started somewhere. I think it was Lillian. Was it Lily and it kind of went to like a, a barn and like she kind of oh, started yeah, her yeah, business yeah. out of someone else's yeah. barn, like it ran her <laughs> program for them. You know, but I'm always curious how people make that giant step. So could you take us through that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it really, it started with, I, um, when I first moved out here, I was through a connection at Clayton's. I landed up at a barn um, owned by uh, a woman called Ruth Bly, who's just lovely lovely woman and i really do have to you know take the time to acknowledge her for taking me in because she didn't know me from adam and i kind of showed up with my horses and you know she was just incredibly warm and welcoming um and then kind of so it was it was nice to have a place to kind of get you know just touch the ground from and then you know quickly i set to about you know how do i make a living out here 
you know, obviously the sales horses were the goal, but until you sell one, you don't have any money. So I was, and it really came through word of mouth. It was a girl who had worked for Clayton and we had overlapped by probably one week. I, she lives out here. I messaged her. I said, Hey, I'm out here now. Do you know of anybody looking for any work? She said, I don't, but let me ask a friend. And she asked her friend, her friend asked around and somehow I kind of got, you know, I got very lucky, but I got hooked up with this jumper bar and it started as I just went up there to ride for them. And eventually they allowed me to move my horses there. And, um, they're actually in the process of renovating a barn on their property for me to be based out of um and you know they have fantastic facilities and they actually they used to event um years ago but they understand it so it's it's really nice just ha- being you know surrounded by people and they do you know a little bit of a different sport than me but they're great to bounce ideas off of and you know they pick up the poles when i knock them down and stuff like that and you know don't <laughs> tell me things like just let go and trust your horse and, you know, all the things that we all know deep down, but sometimes you just need somebody to say, to, you know, how about that? So, and that's between, between riding for these folks and then selling, you know, riding your sales horses, that's pretty much your business or do you coach people too? Yeah. I, I to be honest, I coached a bit in Florida. I had kind of like regular clients that I would, you know, there was a bar and I would go down once a month and, teach 10 lessons, you know, teach a full day worth of lessons. And I taught a few clinics, you know, it's moving out to California. I don't, I'm still trying to attract more of that lesson business, but I figured, you know, my, this past year that I've moved out here has been a lot about just really studying the market and studying the areas. Um, so this next year, I really want the, the sales business to really take off. Um, and then the, the following year will be, I would try to really hone in on this, on the lessons. I mean, that being said, I would love to, you know, I, you know, I'd love to teach more lessons now, but I just find that with my schedule and competition, it's, easier for me to focus on the just training of the sales horses for the time being um and then grow it from there well i think that's wise you know you're you sound like you're a very thoughtful person and thinking of okay well how much time do i have and where where does the focus have to be and uh, you know i get it you know i think that makes a lot of sense so how many horses do you have right now in the barn like how many competition versus sales horses well Luckily, I've actually all all my sales horses from this past year have moved on. So I have uh, two new ones coming in this first uh, week of January, Um, maybe and maybe a third one coming in, and then I've got two competition horses of my own. Um, One, I mean, both both of those competition horses, um, I'm really excited about. They both came from Clayton. One directly. And one was actually a horse that I competed for Clayton as a sales horse. And I loved him, but I wasn't in the position to buy, buy a horse at that moment. And so he sold and I was sad, but, you know, he sold to a great girl and uh, she produced him well from, you know, through the preliminary level. And then this past year, she's going off to college and, you know, I got very lucky and I had a I had a backer be uh, help me purchase him, so he's back in the string. So I'm I'm really, you know, I'm really excited. And so um, his name is Nikki Beach, and my other horse is Mustang Sally. 
you know, and I, I have really high hopes for the two of them. I mean, touch wood, as you, you guys know, nothing's guaranteed, but they both seem like horses that have all the, the right pieces. And so the goal would be to try and take him out to a fall three day on the East coast uh, this year or this coming year. Oh, Very nice. On the East coast. Yes. We get to see Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I do, I do miss the East coast. Um, but I, I'm quite happy out here too. So it's, but it would be, it would be, it would be nice and, you know, just get them out there and just make sure that, you know, we're, we're, people still remember us. Yeah. And, and if, if so, let's say we have people that are listening out there and they're on the West coast and, and they're like, Hey, I'm looking for horses. Could they contact you and kind of tell them what they're looking for? And could you find that horse? Absolutely. And actually that's part, part of what I'm trying to market my business as, you know, obviously I, you know, I'm going to have these, you know, I just got back from Ireland. So I've got these new horses coming in. Um, but what is vaguely unique about me is the fact that I am from the East coast and I have these connections with people in the, in Unionville, Pennsylvania. I've got people connections with people in Aiken in winter and Ocala. So actually the way I prefer people to do it is actually contact me and say, I'm looking for a horse. This is what I'm looking for. You know, it's so that they're not coming and just shotgun trying all these horses that are probably unsuitable. You know, you say, this is what I'm specifically looking for. And then, either I have that horse in my barn or I can say, look, why don't we, you know, I can, you know, I have these contacts. Let me talk to people on the East coast and see what, see what you've, they've got and help, you know, put people together with the right horse. I think that's, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think you got a pretty good business plan in there. And I think that makes a lot of sense and we need more eventing on the West coast. So, the more people yeah, and I, accessible I, for it, the better it is for the sport for for all of us. Well, and you know, I think the West Coast had, you know, being from the East Coast, I thought that the West Coast with this kind of wild, wild West, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same. But having moved out here, I can't tell you how wrong it was. I mean, the events out here are spectacular. Um, you know, the biggest difference I'd say is that they're all run as three days, um, but. What's really cool is that most of the events, if they have an advance, they have a beginning office. They have all, you know, all the levels. And it's, it, it's this, it's a great opportunity because you get everybody kind of shoulder to shoulder. The people out here are fantastically nice. And the events are putting a lot of effort into it. You know, you know, specific, you know, there's lots of people, but, you know, specifically that I've seen recently, you know, you look at Galway Downs and they, they're constantly trying to improve themselves and they put on a really good event. Um, Woodside, same thing. And it's, you know, and the, the guy who runs at Robert Kellerhouse, I mean, he's, he's on the ground. He's talking to people. He's asking questions. I mean, I, he makes a real effort to listen to what the riders have to say and then put that into effect. Um, and it's not just listening to just the amateurs or just the professionals that you really do feel like there's a great, you know, harmony between the upper level riders and the people who do this for fun. And I think that's so important because at the end of the day, the, the meats and bones of the sport are the people who do it for fun. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, that sounds great. Well, and you know, the, the West coasters, I mean, they're super competitive. I mean, look at Tammy Smith and Frankie's and Andrea Baxter, Andrea Baxter. You have Matty Brown. He's East coast now, but I mean, he, you know, he was born and bred out West and, uh, you know, 
fantastic. Oh yeah, no, they 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 really do know this stuff, and I'll tell you what, it was eye opening to me doing my first dressage test out here. That like it was coming coming out here and doing what I thought was good enough. It's not even close. Is the scoring so, a little tight out there, or or this the, the the caliber of dressage is is better out there? You think? I, I think the caliber I think the caliber the the, the caliber dress out out here I will say is pretty is pretty tough um, you know it, I think it would be you know it's the I would say the horse trial caliber of dressage is closer to the FEI out here it it is it's quite it's difficult so you know when I get a good score I definitely feel a little bit happier about it than wow. yeah um, cool. yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's, so it's just, you know, it's been something that I've been kind of grinding away. I'm, I'm by no means a, a dressage rider, but you know, I, I am, I am working very hard at trying to be a bit better every day at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, I think, I think you will the rest of your life too, Charlie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think anyone well, says I'm there. I've arrived. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, unfortunately, all of us still have to work. Yeah. You, you know, you, even the great writers are still improving their dressage. Right. That right. Yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so Charlie, we are going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. And all right, and quick fire questions is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian, and you can learn more about Red and Goat by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages and by going to redandgoatequestrian.com. All right, so five questions. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Your favorite rider growing up. Uh, I would, it would be probably Boyd, you know, there's, there's a lot, to, lots of love about the way he rides. I think he's, you know, does a really good job at trying to be excellent in all three categories that we have to be good at. And I think he's able to do it with a sense of good humor. You were right next door to Boyd. You never went to go work for him. Um, I almost did. I, I actually, I caught him up for for a job um before i went to go work for clayton um i had kind of a list of people i called and actually fair play to boyd i called him up and he knew me from having worked for ryan and he said you know charlie the way that this program works is the longer you're here the more you get i've got i've got a few people such as mike who have been here for years and you're i'm not going to be able to give you the type of opportunities that you want so I, I thought that I thought that was incredibly impressive because he could have said, yeah, come work for me and muck my stalls. But, you know, he he, you know, was nice enough to say he didn't have the right job for me. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So next question. If you can try another sport to be a professional at that does not involve horses, what would it be? Hmm. Bowling. Bowling. bowling are you a good bowler i am horrendous at it <laughs> whatever reason i i my poor my poor friends out here i drag them to the bowling alley all the time because I'm, i just i'm so desperate to be better at it so bad <laughs> it's so funny that is funny but there is good money in bowling right yeah big good money big money in bowling for sure it's on espn more than our sport is. yes it is <laughs> right uh, okay next question uh, what is your favorite thing about the sport of eventing? The community. Um, I just, it's, it is a sport where even though we're all competing against each other, 
I have yet to see anybody not help each other out in order to achieve a competitive edge. I mean, actually, I mean, the perfect example of this would be my mother once asked, went up to Philip and said, Philip, why do you give course walks to anybody who shows up? And he said, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to share the knowledge I have. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm going to share the knowledge I have. And if somebody's able to turn that into success, then great. Good for them. I think at the end of the day, the sport is hard enough that, you know, it's, we don't need to be tearing each other down. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Very good answer. All right. What is one thing you would change about the sport? Oh, um, I mean, I think the obvious, the obvious answer would be to try and find a way to create a safer sport. Um, I think, I don't think there's an easy solution to that though. I think, you know, without, it's very, it'd be, it's very easy to lose the essence of what our sport is in an attempt to make it sanitized. But, you know, I, as a competitor, as knowing people, some of these people who've gotten hurt or horses that have gotten hurt, it's, you do, you do wish there's, you know, there's a way to prevent that but i think that the people that are in charge of stuff like that are doing you know i think we do have to acknowledge the steps that have been made you know i think the frangible technology is is such that it's not show jumping on cross country but it 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 does it does save people i think this the safety equipment out there is um getting better and better you know i you know and i think there's a lot of companies out there that are actually selling products that do help people. Um, so I think, you know, I think there's more change to be made. I, I do think we are going the right direction. Yep. Sounds good. I, hope. I agree. All right. So last question, if you could ride any horse past, present or fiction, who would it be? Um, it would have to be Clayton's horse, uh, Effie always in time. Um, I, I worked with that horse a lot and I did get to ride him, but I would love to take that horse cross country. He just, he's got so much personality and, you know, spunk about him. And for me, I love a horse that has a little bit of attitude. Um, I think it's, I, I, I find it amusing and I think that horse has attitude in spades. I, he's very funny. So, and I think he would just be such a, awesome horse to take cross country cool great answer great answer yes what's his great honey a plus plus a plus plus knocked it out of the park sweet yeah with the bowling bowling great answer answer. i'm terrible too but yeah it is fun yeah i'm not good at it yeah i i need the the with the the bumpers bumpers oh For like Kip in the Pony and Dynamite. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I should play with the bumpers. That might be a bit more successful. <laughs> uh, so, Charlie, do you have any advice for that young rider thinking about going out on their own? Yeah, it really is just stick with it. I, I can't, you know, going back to the time I was, you know, when I was 18 through 20, I kept thinking to myself, that all the other people my age, we were going to be the next Phillips, the Boyds, you know, the Rhines. We were just going to be the next, you know, top level ones. And I have to say that of all 
you know, not to say that I've made it in any way, shape or form, but I can maybe think of, of maybe 20 riders, maybe only three still do it. I, I think there is something about just waking up every day and showing up and just putting yourself out there that, you know, a, a, our sport does rely on a lot of luck you have to have the right, you know, have the right horse in the right moment with the right people helping you. And so a lot of it is just show up. If you just show up every day, the opportunity you'll be able to seize the opportunities when they strike. There you go. Yeah. Good answer. Never give up. Never give up. I mean, you can give up if you don't love it anymore. I'm not saying. Well, and, 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 and absolutely. And, you know, and, and some people, some people should, you know, like, and, and that's not in a mean way, but it's not every, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it is a tough sport. It's just heartbreaking. There's some really high highs, but there's some really low lows. And, you know, I think a lot of kids grow up saying they love horses. And there's this idea that you have, to, you know, if you love horses, you can make it as a professional. But, you know, and I think uh, I have a lot of respect for a few of my friends who have just, you know, they took a step back and they recognize that they enjoy horses, but they enjoy it as an amateur or you know, as something for fun. And so it's not, it, you're not failing by any means if you decide that doing this as a sport is not going to be your profession, you know, and there's plenty of people who actually have a, a normal nine to five job that pays well, and they're able to, you know, ride horses and they do it very, at a high level right. because they're able to, you know, do it just as a hobby. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Sounds good. Good advice, Karen. Always. Charlie's yes. got good stuff. I know he does. Charlie, how old are you? <laughs> I am 27. 27. Very wise. Man. That was about ready to say that. Were you do yes, that? I was very wise. I should have, I should have <laughs> let Karen. <laughs> see, see, <laughs> Oh man. Good answer. Hey, so, um, as we start to wind things down, Charlie, we always like to ask about any s supporters or sponsors that you'd like to recognize. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to, I, I want to give a huge shout out to my saddle sponsor, uh, Forest TA. They have been, I've worked with a few different companies and they have bent over backwards to help me out. Um, especially, you know, m moving to the other side of the country where they're not, you know, they're mostly focused on establishing themselves on the East coast, you know, I was a bit nervous that they, you know, might say, you know what, on the West coast, we don't really have a market. We don't have reps. Like, but they've actually stood back by me steadfastly and their sister company, Equitac, um, which they sells bridles, but also use saddles. And, um, a lot of the, a lot of these um, companies, you can trade in your saddle when you buy a new one, but where do those saddles go? And actually Equitech has this huge online database uh, for used saddles. So, you know, I have to, if you're going to buy a saddle, I'd say buy Forcia. But if you don't have the budget for a brand new saddle, you know, definitely check out Equitech because it's all the major brands on an online database and it's inc they're incredibly easy to de deal with. Gotcha. Well, that's a cool yeah. tip. That's yeah, good. Is. Excellent. Man, you learn something new every day. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's very cool. So, uh, so how do people follow along and how do people contact you if they want to maybe look into the, you know, what you have for sale, what you have coming in, if they want you to help them find a horse or, or, or even like the person that's out there, that's, 
in Sonoma that wants to get some lessons and how do people follow? Um, I mean, the, the easiest way at the moment is through Instagram or Facebook on Instagram. I'm at Campbell eventing. Um, or maybe it's Campbell underscore eventing. And then on Facebook, it's uh, Charles Campbell eventing. Um, I am in the process. My website will be up in the next week or so. So that all I'm hoping, you know, once the website's up, I really, you know, my goal is to be really, really um, good about updating it. Because I think, unfortunately, a lot of us get caught up in everything else going on and you go to people's sales pages and you see horses that were either for sale two years ago or there's nothing posted but um you know the goal will be to keep the faith to keep the website uh pretty well updated gotcha yep yeah instagram is yeah. definitely campbell under campbell underscore, underscore eventing yep for sure so <laughs> perfect yeah perfect <sighs> yeah and that that website should be coming soon. You know, I've got my mother slaving away over it. So uh, everybody say thanks to her when, once it's up. You know what the what the address is going to be when it, comes it will be um, CampbellEventing.com. Okay, CampbellEventing.com. All right. Well, what we'll do is um, whenever that is live, we'll add that in the show notes. So. Um, because the the interview this this will stay up forever, and we always every day people are listening to interviews that are a one day old, one month old, a year old, two years old. So, mm-hmm. um, just check out the show notes, and uh, it'll be updated with the with the website once it's live. Yep, so it'll be good to go. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Karen, I can't wait till Charlie comes back east, and I know, or or him. we just have to go to California. Do I was thinking that, Charlie. Tasting. I think we do some wine tasting. Then we take a little cruise. I'm hooked on the cruises. Then we cruise oh, out of Cali, okay. do the Mexican Riviera. Oh, okay. Well, let me know when you're out here. I'd love to take you guys or show you guys around. Oh, that'd be awesome. We'll do some bowling and wine drinking. How's <laughs> there that? There you go. <laughs> we'll put the bent, we'll put yeah. the bumpers up and, and we'll have at it. <laughs> we'll be good at it. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Sounds like sounds like fun. Charlie, I got one more question for you. All right. Oh, I don't know what this is. Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be in the interview. I got to know what the Facebook profile picture is. Oh, oh, (laughs) Um, that is. I um, got invited to a wedding in England, and I'll tell you what. This wedding was outrageous. But they had these. um, It's the little blue blue woman next to me, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Blue woman. Like, listen, I'm, I'm not quite. They had what? They yeah, they were elves. They had acrobatic elves at this wedding. So she was an acrobatic elf. She was an acrobatic elf. There are other photos um, somewhere of them kind of standing on top of each other and you know jumping around and standing on balls. It was it was an outrageous wedding. So <laughs> I. <laughs> You look pretty good. You're all dapper. Were, were you in the wedding or was that just the attire? To No, but it, because it was, you know, because it's English and they're all a little fancier than us. It was a uh, morning coats. So we all had to wear morning coats and do uh, a lot of fun. And it was, it was actually, it was a, it was a horse wedding. Um, it was people I had met in Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, and they were, they're not eventers, but they were, uh, uh, the guy getting married is a race trainer. Um, so, and it's actually part of why I love Unionville so much is that it's all the horse sports combined, yeah. you know, it's not just eventing, you get to, you get to learn from all the other horse professionals, 
in your sport and out of it. So very cool. Well, and now my question's answered because I was always wondering what, I was like, what are you talking I'm thinking, about? Charlie's all dressed up and his date's green. <laughs> a, a, a lot of people do confuse that for my girlfriend. <laughs> and my girlfriend is a bit shorter, but she's not that small. She doesn't have pointy ears. No, no, no pointy ears. Oh, that's, that's, funny. Funny. <laughs> okay. that's a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome awesome well charlie thank you so much yeah, for joining us this was really a lot of fun and uh you you really uh, are an impressive young man so best wish you oh, best thank you I've, I've i've enjoyed this this has been fun thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed today's show to learn more about major league eventing go to majorleagueeventing.com and join our mailing list to get all the major league eventing updates cheers <laughs>